when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu of Yahoo Sports Canada. And on this week's episode of the Raptors Recap, I'm Harrison Sanford, co-host of Inside the Green Room for some crossover content. What's up? Nothing much, man. Just excited for uh, Game 4 tonight. Also very excited about the weather here in mm. Toronto. I am enjoying it very much so. You're finally seeing it. I'm finally seeing it. They were missed that it, ha- <laughs> they were missed that it was coming. Uh, at certain points, I didn't believe but no, it's good. I love. I'm, I'm enjoying my time. Yeah. Um. I mean, first, first off, as one of the insecure Canadians, we gotta ask <laughs> you, like, how's your experience been of Toronto and things like this and this? No, I love the city, man. The the diversity is great. I being from New York, I could appreciate that very much. So, uh, I'm starting to learn my way around town a little bit. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that gets me a little ticked off with yeah. Toronto are some of the fans. Of the Raptors. Really? Okay, well, explain, explain. I'm a big believer in uh, speaking things into fruition. Oh, no, no, we don't do that. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> no, we do the opposite here, man. Yeah. What you, yeah. I, can, I can see that. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the optimistic point of view, and I understand that there's a history that could prevent the uh-huh. optimistic point of view. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but it's, sometimes it's unnerving. And then, obviously, game three mm. of the Eastern Conference Finals, I would have assumed that people would be in their seats well before tip-off, and that yeah, was we don't, we not don't do the that case. Yeah. <laughs> so I know there's hardcore Raptors fans out yeah, there. Wanna, yeah. If they have to jack some people who have tickets, go ahead and do it. I'm telling you, if that mob outside Jurassic Park decides to swarm the arena, that'd be a, a, yep. a, net, a net positive. Yep, yeah. exactly. I, I was on the verge of tweeting, uh, if you're one of those fans that are in Scotiabank Arena for Instagram posts, mm. then please just... Take your picture inside and then yeah. come outside. Give it to somebody who's actually going to cheer and not leave uh, before the second overtime. That was actually surprising because that game had started early, too. Mm-hmm. And it was a long weekend here. Mm-hmm. So what are you leaving early for? Like, you know what I mean? No like, you're leaving at 930 for what? Like, you know, so. It made no sense. No, they missed out. They missed out. They missed out on uh, Kawhi and stuff like that. But um, no, I'm, I'm happy that you're settled into Toronto, man. Loving um, the city. It's not- good because, you know, anytime we have people from out of town, we're always like, just wait until the summertime. Yep. And like this year, especially, it's just been like. Yeah, like really had to wait because yep. it was like it was like three degrees. I mean, we're talking Celsius, like three degrees, like early early May. Mm-hmm. And every time I was on the road, I was thinking like, "Yo, I can't." I, I'm just happy Kawhi's on the road with yep. some better weather and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's talk. Let's go back to Game Three. Let's do it. Um, I think sort of throughout the series, I, I didn't actually think the Raptors' defense could be that effective, but I thought in Game Three in particular, uh, they were just stellar all over the place. And if you look at through three games right now, the Bucks in terms of just half-court possessions, I think they've had, like, a lot of second-chance points, fast break. But yep. strictly speaking, half-court, Bucks are scoring 0.80 points per half-court possession, which is, like, phenomenal number. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, 
you should be able to win most games, right? The Raptors being down 2-1 is a little bit unfortunate in that case. But, um, I mean, what, first off, like, what have you seen out of the Raptors' defense sort of all season, but especially in the playoffs when they take it to this other gear? Well, I think they have two dynamic defensive players, obviously, in Siakam and obviously Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And then you have three intelligent guys in Mark, Danny, Kyle. I think in this series, too, especially if you look at the starting lineup, I know Danny and Kyle get some flack sometimes, but their ability to not be posted, their strength. Like, yep. Remember we looked back at the 76ers series and you said to yourself, why isn't Mark posting up Tobias Harris? And you know when he did, it was okay. It wasn't great. But if you look at this series, you say, all right, well, if Danny's guarding Miritich, once in a while, if the half-court offense isn't going, well, just put Miritich in the post. Now, granted, Miritich is not a Hall of Fame no. back, but simple height. Yeah. <laughs> should dictate an easy an easy bucket from time to time. Same thing with Kyle Lowry. Their their inability to get posted or be taken advantage of because of their size and in certain occasions allows them to do unique things like put Siakam on Bledsoe that we saw in right. Game Three. And obviously Kawhi is just a mammoth. I mean, in size, in strength, in everything. So you have that combination defensively. I've I've said this from halfway through the season. I really started to believe it the best defensive starting five in the NBA. Now, can that translate to other things? Is the offense going to get back to that peak level that we saw at one point where the ball was moving around? But Mm -hmm. defensively, their capabilities are best in the NBA hands down. Yeah, for sure. And if you look at game three in particular, right, that, that defensive coverage against Giannis, first off, the move by Nick Nurse to switch Kawhi onto guarding Giannis, um, I think... Obviously, I, in an ideal world, you, mm-hmm. you tell Pascal, like, listen, buddy, we're going to send you help, but, you, you know, good luck. Yep. Really just try to handle that, man. And it just, like, realistically, it wasn't really working. And I think, like, game two, there was that one point where Pascal had fouled out of the game first off. So that's that's pretty that's, bad. That's not good. But then also he had zero defensive rebounds, mm-hmm. and Giannis was getting on the offensive glass so much and just being such a force. Like, the first play of the game, he drives on Siakam, gets his own rebound, dunks it. And I'm like, this is not going to go well. Pumps his chest right after two. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like, okay, so you, you, you get a little desperate. You, you turn to, you know, the ace in the hole, and that's Kawhi. It's a great option to turn to. Um, but, I mean, just, you know, even though I would love to give all the credit to Kawhi, when you look over the film and stuff, it's a great – team effort for sure by the Raptors I think Marcus saw with his size and it's just he's got really smart hands yep I think in the regular season he, he kind of got called for a couple of like lazy swipes and I'm thinking like this is just laziness but really what we've seen throughout the playoffs like he's got great hands to force turnovers and stuff and Giannis overall shooting five of 16 in game three eight turnovers fouling out like he's gonna bounce back better from for that sure but I think the Raptors defensively um I mean, I, they've. This is the toughest defense that Giannis will pretty much ever face. Yeah, no, it's special. And you, if you even look back to the seventy sixes series, the Raptors thought that they can get away with Siakam on Jimmy Butler because of his physical attributes. But at the same time, what happened in Game Seven? They put Kawhi on him. Yeah. And when there's desperate times, you have to go with your best defender. And the thing with Kawhi, if he was guarding, or if Kawhi, if Siakam is on Giannis, then mm-hmm. Kawhi's guarding Middleton. Then Kawhi can't help. Because you're not trying to leave Middleton open. That's true. But if you have Siakam on somebody like Eric Bledsoe, who's only hit two three-pointers, I think, in this series so far. um, That sounds generous to me. Yeah, right? He's been been kind of a train wreck. Yeah, he he hit a garbage time one, I think, in game two. I don't even remember. But I know he he hasn't been shooting the three well. No. Um, So if you have Siakam able to help off of that, and you could just have other guys help depending on the situation, it helps them a lot. Obviously, Giannis is a beast. But Kawhi is a beast himself, too. And 
the fact that Giannis was hesitating mm-hmm. on what he wanted to do. Granted, he got away with. Granted, his footwork is spectacular. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, one way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's still that hesitation means a lot because, mm-hmm. as much as the Raptors' offense revolves around the impact of Kawhi Leonard, same thing could be said for the Bucks. If Giannis isn't playing at peak levels, it really changes how they operate and them uh, their ability to play at their best. Yeah, for sure. And like you know, NBA.com does enough now, which is great. Like you can actually see like defensive matchups, right? Mm-hmm. Who guarded who for how many possessions? Um. Kawhi took 41 defensive possessions against Giannis, which is actually less than Pascal. So even though he got the primary assignment, like I think just because the way the Bucks are trying to force switches and stuff like that, yep. like Pascal actually ended up on him more. But um, specifically in those 41 possessions against Kawhi, he shot two of 12 from the field, and like that's just an incredible mark. And I think one of the underrated things about Kawhi is like he's so strong. Like yep. that's the one thing that Pascal doesn't have yet. He's still, like, you can still push him around a little bit. Yep. And Giannis can definitely push him around a little bit. Like you just, you know, just, it's not the same. Like, and if you, if you force Giannis, like even just a step more away from the basket, like that's a big difference. Cause he's pretty much only shooting in the rim. So if you can like push him out further, it's better. If you can be a little bit stronger. So you're not just like pushed under the rim, then you give time for the help defense to come. Like I thought, I mean, you're right, man. Kawhi is just, uh, Kawhi's been incredible there. I think Mark, too, like games one and threes particularly. Yep. Like game two, he was – I yep. mean, well, that was yep. bad. Yep. But <laughs> games, game one, especially that first half, he was great in the, on defense. And I thought throughout all of game three, Mark's defense was great. But the the toughest thing about Milwaukee is, like, they put so much pressure on the rim, but they mm-hmm. also take, like, literally 43s a game. Yep. Um, so far, the Bucks haven't even shot better than 32% from three. Are, are you concerned about that number, or are you looking at the number as uh, the Raptors' defense has been – doing really well in terms of contesting shots. No, I'm not worried about that number. I think it could stay around that. Maybe some, t- some games even get worse. Because if you think about it, there's been a lot of open shots for the guys who are really good shooters, like Malcolm Brockton, who this year became a 50-40-90 guy. He's which, good. Phew. They should pay him. Yeah, yeah. he's scary. Yeah. And then somebody like George Hill has gotten – I think there, particularly there was an open three in the corner that he got in one of the overtimes in game yeah. three. I think it was Giannis missed two free throws, but then they somehow kicked yep. it out, Yep, which was just such a kick in the balls, but, you know, it is what it is. Yep. You got to locate – like certain shooters have to be located a bit better, mm-hmm. um, Brogdon being one of those. And, yeah, maybe Miritich gets – starts hitting more. But the op- – I mean, game two, Brogdon got a lot of open ones, and I think the Raptors got caught off guard yeah. by how bold – the Bucks aren't shooting the three sometimes. Like Brogdon does, it, it flicks off his wrist so fast. Yeah. Um. And even though Middleton shot a crazy attempt to try and take the Raptors' heart, <laughs> Yo, Chris Middleton, he <laughs> thought he was KD in that moment. Yeah. But it was. Uh, it is. It, it does resemble or symbolize the. Let me see the it, the exuberance they have in shooting the three, yep. and I think the Raptors. Are, as the series continues to go on, they'll be more ready for that. Just stay, you got to stay locked in on Brogdon. Mm-hmm. You got to stay locked in on George Hill. Yep. And if a guy like Eric Bledsoe hits four threes in a game, you shake his hand, say good game, move yep. on to the next one. Yeah, that's, that's true. And um, again, if you, if you like, I'm, I'm basically a nerd with the numbers right now. Cause I, I had like <laughs> two hours good. to just like <laughs> look over the stuff for the podcast, but uh, Raptors contested 34 or 44 threes in mm. game uh, three. And then I went back and looked at the actual attempts. Like, obviously, Giannis is three threes, all yep. open. And then for Bledsoe, he got, like, like, depends on how you want to define how it can contest. But it's, like, at least four of six. Yep. And then there was those two hill threes. Like, everything else was really well contested. And the one other thing I, I thought watching the game um, was, like, 
I think Mark was first off. I think Pride just kicked in, right? He's too accomplished of a guy to just yep. be like, oh, I, I, I played like shit. I'm just going to do like the same thing next game. Like, no, he's going to bounce back in a big way. Um, and I think you guys were talking about that in the post game show too. Like, he's just he's There's too no good. way. He's too good. Yeah, no right? way. And he's got some money on the line too. Yeah, he's got some money on the line too. But I mean, like the way he was like closing out, like flying and closing out. And I'm just thinking, like, I didn't, I didn't even know this man could jump, mm-hmm. let alone like fly out at a shooter. But he was like running guys off the line, like Miritich, Ilyasova, Brook. Like those guys, you know, they're not in the paint much. So I mean, I think Mark's defense there was good, and I think the Raptors as a whole, like, it's just. Like the way they rotate, the way they defend. I thought in game three, is particularly like they like they aggressively doubled Giannis most of the time, mm-hmm. but they even doubled guys like Middleton occasionally just to see if the Bucks can pass out of it. And the Bucks had twenty turnovers, and a lot of that was just the Raptors are very disciplined in you know in terms of their defensive IQ, right? It, it's 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 all there, and they're they're all bought in. And when that happens, you actually have a defense that's good enough to guard the Bucks at the rim and contest threes, and like. At that point, if you can get some defensive rebounds and just play better offense, you're not, you know, getting transition points. Like that's the game plan for the Raptors to win the series. Yep, you got to keep them out of transition because that's yeah. the one time where it's this because of the cross matching that's going on and their ability to hit transition threes, it can get hectic. But in that half court, you're right. I mean, Mark has been Mark was great in Game Three, mm-hmm. and we've seen, you know, it's kind of the, something similar to with the Raptors. How many players on the Bucks are going to put it on the floor? Meritage is not going to put it on the floor. Ilyasova no. is not really going to put it on the floor. No. Go ahead and sell out on the sell out on that. You know, sell out on the three. If they hit it or if they go by you, we'll see what their playmaking is going to turn into for right. somebody like Ilyasova or Meritage. That's fine. But yeah. the threes, uh, I, getting back to that point, I don't think they'll be able to get. I don't think they'll be able to shoot well if the Raptors play defensively with a high level of IQ, especially mm-hmm. on the road. Now, maybe there's that one home game where they go yeah, yeah. absolutely nutty. I'm but, expecting that in Game yeah. Five. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but at home, oh well. Hopefully, if this if it's Game Five two two, mm-hmm. there's then, so there's yeah. so much pressure on the Bucks. Yeah, so much pressure. But they obviously got to do the job in Game Four. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kawhi. <laughs> uh, let's, let's 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 talk about Kawhi first up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've seen a lot of basketball in your lifetime. Have you seen in person at least Kawhi a performance like Kawhi? It's like aside from LeBron, I think we could yep. put aside playoff LeBron. It's like its own. Yep, this is its own entity. And as a Raptors podcast, we're just gonna stop talking about <laughs> LeBron and what he does in the playoffs. Okay. We'll talk about Kawhi like outside of LeBron. Like, have you seen in person a guy dominate a playoff run like this? No, because I don't think there's been any guy that we've seen. I'm 32 years old now. I don't think. And I've been doing journal in the journalism field for about a little over a decade. I don't think there's anybody that we've seen who dominate offense and defense. That's the one thing. Like Kawhi, offensively, for the most part, he's been efficient. He really hasn't been as efficient as he was in the first three or four games of the 76ers series. But yeah, he's for obviously sure. still great offensively. Um, and then defensively, he's shutting down whoever you want. Like Jimmy Butler was held to two points at halftime of Game Seven, yeah. if I remember correctly. And Giannis had a terrible Game Three. I mean, but he, and but he, even though Ben Simmons is an easier person to guard than Jimmy Butler, he was mm-hmm. dominant against him oh, as well. He had like multiple single yeah. point performances, yeah. which Ben Simmons is too good to score a single digit. Exactly. And and I, I told some of my friends he made Ben Simmons look like a he was Ben Simmons was an All Star this year. He mm-hmm. looked he just looked like a starter if if that. And if he can make Giannis turn from MVP to just an all-star, yep. then that level of depreciation on their value is huge on top of the fact that he could do all, he plays so well offensively. I mean, there's probably other guys who have um, better skill sets offensively in terms of like specifically playmaking ability, yeah, yeah, which definitely. is probably Kawhi's like last level of 
yeah, getting yeah. there. He's got to get there. But he's he's been special. And the crazy thing is, I know the coaching staff feels like he's still got a lot better to get in terms of his uh, athleticism. Wow. He still has another level to get because this whole summer he Man. was rehabbing. Wait till he actually gets a full summer to like tr- actually train his body and not rehab his body. Mm. He's going to be even scarier. I mean, think about this. He was limping. Like, yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> he's like, limping throughout game three, but yet he took off from like one foot inside the free throw line to yeah. dunk it on the Bucks in overtime. I couldn't believe he went for that dunk. <laughs> yeah. Especially because like, like the first shot he took was that little like uh, transition play where he comes up like a little bit lame. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like skipping down the floor. And it's like, a, I think they call timeout right thereafter. And like the whole time I'm watching him on the bench and he's, you know, I was just like, is he is he gonna be okay? And then he comes back and he plays fifty two minutes. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like and like my takeaway from after the game was just like, you know, all the other players retired or they fouled out. And here comes Kawhi who like turns it on another physical gear. Like, yeah, the jumper wasn't going great for him throughout the game, but like just him you know, ripping the ball away from that one possession where he like he he helps on Middleton. The Brogdon steal. Then he goes <laughs> back on the perimeter as a loose ball. Like, Brockton actually gets the first hand on it, but Kawhi just goes straight through him. Yep. Gets the ball, controls the ball, too, because his hands are so big. Yep. And then he goes in for a dunk. And then the play after that where he's just, like, he drives on Middleton. Or, sorry, he drives on Brogdon. Like, there was a double team by Middleton, so he backs it back out to the free throw line. Yep. And, and then he's just, like, bodies him. <laughs> I'll body you, and I'll just go to the rim. And it's just, like, I, I you just it's, it's such a special player yep. that we're watching. My only concern is, are we are the Raptors putting too much too much on Kawhi's plate, or is there such a thing? Uh, I think I don't know if it's too much. It might be adequate amount, but there is definitely some things that can make it easier for him. Uh, more dribble handoffs initiated from Marcus on the high post would be one of them. Mm-hmm. I still would like to see, um, even if even if it's not going to Kawhi, I would still like to see Kyle and Kyle get off of that and maybe shoot his like long range three, or Danny do the yeah. same thing. Since Brook Lopez is going to sit back. And yeah, not really yeah. pressure uh, Mark. I would love to see more actions for Siakam, and I would also love if Kawhi would be in the post a little bit more, yeah, um, as, as opposed to the top of the key, so he yeah. doesn't have to try and dissect the whole offense from that angle. And you saw that. I think it was, but maybe the third or fourth quarter, you started to see him get it more on the wing. Um, but uh, obviously, all those things can help, and yeah, they can get more help if some guys would just hit shots. Uh, hopefully, that yeah. happens. Yeah, for real. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the only thing with Kawhi, like in terms of playmaking and stuff. Like I don't even fully knock him for not getting a lot of assists because, like, multiple times he'll just kick out and guys will miss. Mm-hmm. And like that's kind of the nature of the Raptors. Like I just think that, like, in terms of pure shooters, right? Like Danny's a pure shooter, mm-hmm. but like after that, like Mark is a capable shooter. Kyle is a streaky shooter. Yep. Pascal is like a situational shooter. Like he's only shooting from certain positions. Yep. And then everyone else is like, I, I don't know, like Serge. I wouldn't even really call Serge a shooter. He's mid range. He's he's money yeah. from the mid range, but yeah, yeah. he hasn't been getting a lot of those this series. That's true. And the Bucks are smart about that. Yep. Like they actually like if they run like that little pick and roll action with, with um with, with Fred and, and Serge. He's usually the two of them coming off the bench. Like if yeah. they run that, like whoever is in the corner is helping off that mo- in that moment to like even take away that Serge mid range shot. And that's the difference between regular season and playoffs. Yep. Like, regular season, no one would ever do that. Yep. You're just like I'm gonna my guys in the corner, I'm gonna stick with them. Exactly. I've done my job defensively. In the playoffs is different, right? But um I mean, yeah, the only thing with Kawhi, I'm just a little bit concerned because, like, again, the workload's so big, and we've seen him sort of come up a little bit uh, physically. Sh- I don't know. I mean, he just looked pain. Like, mm-hmm. He didn't play pain, but he, he looked pain to me, and it's just, you know, 
I don't want to you know, wear him out or anything, but I mean, realistically, what other options does Raptors have? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, like, for sure. You, you just got to ride your your superstar and have him deliver. And I think, like, again, like speaking from a Raptors fan perspective, right? Like, there's been a lot of like um, just like shortcomings in the playoffs, and we've seen a lot of players, like star players, even like go into the playoffs and they're like their level drops off and the game's too difficult for yep. them. Like it happened to Kyle many times. It's happened to Demar many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, to see a guy who elevates his game and like he already has Kawhi already has like eleven of the Raptors like top like thirty something <laughs> scoring games. Yeah, he's special, he hasn't even man. played that many games. Like yeah. eleven games is a lot of games. Yeah, like outside the game, he was sick in, in Orlando game three. Like, like he's been like sensational in every one of those performances, and like already like he you know he gives us the bounce mm-hmm. right, which is one of the craziest shot I've ever seen. Um. He gives you the 45 points in game one against Philadelphia, which was just an evisceration against mm-hmm. a really good defense. Um, the game winner in game four on the road in Philly. Step Special. back over Joel. No, he's got so many moments. Crazy. And then this double <laughs> yeah, overtime yeah. where he's just like coming up with literally every single play. Like he's winning jump balls against yep. Giannis. It's like I, I this I, is just insane. You didn't even mention the crossover that dropped. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, the crossover that drops two guys. Yeah, yeah he's had that mural that he has yeah. up now. Like it's almost unfair. This only signifies one moment because there's been way too many. That's right. There's only so many buildings in Toronto. Yeah, you know? there like, you go. They should all have something on them right now. <laughs> um, yeah, but even you know, I think part of the reason though that Kawhi's been so good and this, this thankfully to his human nature and to his upbringing with the Spurs, he, as he's said multiple times, he never gets too high, never gets too low, goes yeah. back and just does the work. When you have a guy like Tim Duncan, like influencing the way you, your work habits, a guy like Greg Popovich coaching you, mm-hmm. you win one game, okay, cool. Yeah. You didn't win the series yet. Yeah, you know, and that it's so hard for players. You know, it's a very, it's a superstar league, and guys can get caught up in their egos and things of that nature. So if they have a great game, how could you not? Go check out your Instagram, see how many oh, likes yeah, yeah. you got. Oh, you know, yeah. how many why not check out your Twitter mentions. Yeah. But he's so even keel and doesn't really care too much. He just cares about being great mm-hmm. and not the perception of being great. He just wants yeah. to be great himself. And I think that helps uh him come back game after game and put out the work that he's been saving himself for. Yeah. By load managing. But Hey man, l- listen, load management <laughs> after this season is gonna take off. I know I know yep. the league already hates it and everything, but how can you argue with the How results? How can you argue with it? And, like, going to the point about Kawhi's mentality, like, I just think it's been really enjoyable as a Raptors fan because, like, you know, you understand from the fan base now that you're here, like, it's it's a very worrisome fan base. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon and as something goes worried. wrong, like, it's just, like, there's tension in the building and everyone's sort of freaked out. To have a guy who, like, you know, after he hits that game winner, like, the next time he talks to the press, he's like, look, man, I'm, I'm over it. Like, you know, I, sh- I enjoyed it with my family that night at dinner, and that's it. Yep. I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm going to go to the next series. And people were trying to, like, tease him and talk about, like, you know, talk about that moment. He just wouldn't give any quotes. And then, like, after they get spanked in game two against the Bucks, they're asking him, like, what do you what do you do from now? And he's like, <laughs> going to Toronto for game three. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the same mentality. Yep. That's, that's what they mean, the same mentality. It's, it's a beautiful thing to have, especially, yeah. you, you're right, with the fan base, the way it can get sometimes. Having somebody like Kawhi who's mm-hmm. even key to a T um, has to have a positive impact on the fan base and maybe if they tie it up tonight oh, maybe it would really start to seep through the the cognitive you yeah. know ways of Raptors fans I'm, 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 I'm like Toronto as a city like every Drake song is like pretty <laughs> accurate yeah like it's a lot of moping mm-hmm. and like woe is me kind of shit and then like and then after one win <laughs> it's trophies you know what I mean like it's like that like the, 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 Drake's emotional like, gambit is the same as Toronto like, yeah 
That's why people kind of identify with uh, it. I, I, I'm, I'm understanding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about Mark and Pascal. So I feel like those two guys are the big swing guys in terms of just like, first off, they shouldn't be swing guys. Like throughout mm-hmm. the regular season, I thought they were, at least Pascal was way more consistent. Mark was, generally speaking, pretty good from game to game. Um, in the playoffs, we've seen like those two of them kind of vary. And in, in this series particularly, like I don't think game games one and two are both, were forgettable for both those guys. But um, game three, they were much better. For Mark, is there anything the Raptors can do to like get him easier looks offensively and just get him into the mentality of scoring? Because I thought in Game Three when he came out, he hit those two jumpers, he hit that little mid-range jumper. Yep. Then the Bucks started closing out on him, and then he started being able to, you know, actually make plays by driving against guys or going to the post and stuff. Yep. And it just changed everything for him. Like, is there some way the Raptors can get him to have that mentality from the get-go? Uh, I think sometimes he's. Maybe there's coming down from Coach Nurse. Maybe they have to call plays from. For the most part, Mark doesn't. They Mark doesn't really have plays necessarily called for him to score. Right. They have calls for him to play make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he doesn't really have plays for him to score. I think. I don't know if he could start at the beginning of the game, but if you look at the substitution pattern, when they take out Brook, Ersan Ilyasova comes in the game, yeah. and that would seem as immediate time to put Mark in the post. And yeah. I think we saw that in the first quarter of Game four, Three. Yeah. He called for it. Like it yeah. was. It was weird because Mark when if Mark <laughs> gets the ball in the post, it's usually somebody telling him to get there or he's accidentally yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> but he actually called for it. It was off an yeah. inbounds play, and that was encouraging. So it's gonna again, as I said with some of the guys before after Game Two. Sometimes you need to get humbled. In order to for that beast inside of you to come out, right? Um, and you know, speaking to some of the guys, and I said, "Why, yo? Why didn't Mark post?" And the question was, "Why? You tell me." Like, it, yeah. it's sometimes it's just on the player, and if you don't want it, they're mm-hmm. not going to give it to you because you have a guy like Kawhi, who's like, "Okay, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to score." You have a yeah. guy like Siakam, who's very opportunistic when it comes to scoring, yeah. which was very, which you know, I applaud him for because he did that. There was one or two drives he had to get against Giannis in Game yeah, Three, yeah. and I was. You you know you're shocked because it's it's Giannis. Yeah, yeah. but you gotta attack him. You gotta um, attack because like yo, realistically, Giannis isn't trying to shut you down. He's really trying to like contest, contest. That's it. Yep. and block your shot. Really, yep. but like he's not into you like a Ron or Test type. You know exactly, yeah. exactly. No, I guess I think in terms of Mark, it's just going to be a level of aggression for him, and then probably coming down from the coaching staff when they see a mismatch, just take advantage of it. And if mm-hmm. it doesn't turn out to anything, yeah. at the very least, you know you put. The defense on alert, and you've activated Mark's scoring yeah. instincts. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and so, you know, maybe that helps. And in terms of Siakam, uh, I, I do love what they did with him, taking him off of Giannis. Yeah. Because that could help him in, in various ways. One, energy. Two, being available, not fouling out. Not fouling out. It helps. <laughs> and, it helps. And then three, you know, if he's not – we know where Giannis is going to be. In the, on the, in, the perim, in the paint most mm-hmm. of the time. Yep. If Siakam's guarding somebody else, he's on the perimeter, which would mean if a shot is missed, he should be able to run out. Right, right. And that's one thing that we saw in the regular season that we haven't seen a lot in those the playoffs. Those letouts to Siakam were like you felt like four to six points a game. Were, that was, that's how Siakam would score yep. some of his points because Kyle would find him in the transition game. And you really haven't seen that too much of that in the playoffs. But hopefully that comes about now with the defensive matchup switched up. And obviously, you know, he wasn't good from the corners in game two, mm-hmm. but he was. I think it was two or four or something like that in game three. From yeah, the it was corner three. Like, yeah. yeah. Gets a couple of those, maybe a couple of mismatches in the post, maybe some like uh, down uh, cross screening action in like the different uh, post areas yeah. so that he can get a smaller man on his, on his back. Yeah. And he's more than, a, he's more than confident to take it when he has like a Middleton behind him or even like a Miritich in the, in the corner. Like it, he's yeah. going to, he yeah. should cook those guys. Yeah. 
Um, the, the spin move hasn't been unveiled enough yet. I mean, the they know the spin move is yeah, coming. Right? That's also the, that's also playoff basketball versus regular season basketball. Is like the way they're playing them now. Almost is like they're giving them the baseline drive. Like you, if you want to drive directly to the hoop, mm-hmm. you can do it. Yep. But if you spin towards the middle, we and go you. for your right hand. That, no, there's no way that's yep. happening. Yep. Um, yeah, I think with, with Pascal, like first off, I think throughout the playoffs, I've actually been really impressed with him just because this is his first playoff run as a starter in this role. He's never played like this, never played this many minutes before, mm-hmm. and even for a guy who's like an energizer bunny, like whatever, right? But like realistically, you got to be really tired. You got to really prepare your body um, to, to go this deep into the playoffs, and I, so I've been impressed from that perspective. And he's actually scoring wise, he's about like twenty points. Like sometimes it hasn't been efficient, but still twenty points is twenty points in the playoffs. Yep. Um, but, like, I think this playoff run, especially, like, if you just look ahead to the future, like, how Pascal can improve. I think Mark's, you know, Mark's what he is, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, how Pascal can improve, like. Mid-range jumper would be great next year. Mid-range jumper. Um, just any sort of, like, above-the-break game. Like, he's had, he's great in the corners. Yep. He's great driving on the baseline. He's very opportunistic, as you mentioned, with everything else. But, like, he does need more of that, you know, top of the key, like, defense sagging off. What are you doing with that? You yep. need something with that. And also just, like, recognizing double teams and playmaking and stuff. Because I don't think he's ever faced double teams in his in his life, pretty much outside of college. Yep. Right? If, if anything, if he's it, been the guy that's been ignored by the defense. And so it's, like, the complete opposite for him. And he just has to learn and adjust. And I don't I don't think you can do that, like, on the fly. You have, you have to really get some reps mm-hmm. and really understand where the help is coming from and sort of just be more savvy with everything. But, you know, this is, this is going to be very interesting. Like, I think Pascal actually has a lot to work on this summer after learning – sort of what the toughest versions of defenses looks like. And yep. that's why I'm kind of excited. I think Pascal's going to come back a lot better next year. Yep. It's funny. My, one of my favorite phrases is, in order to learn, you have to live. Yep. And so yeah. he's oh, gonna, he's living. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have to go through it. He's going to have to go through it. And then, you know, maybe the the purchases on his mm. uh, P-Skills brand will even continue to go up because it's been on full display so far this playoffs. I can only imagine if he comes back better. Who do you, who do you think got the best uh, personal gear on the team? Just put you on the spot randomly. Because uh, we, we, there's a couple of brands. I'll, I'll list them off, right? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go the ahead. Bet, the bet on yourself, Fred, Fred Van Vliet yep. stuff. Understand the grind. Yep. The norm. Mm-hmm. You got Pascal. Mm-hmm. Kawhi kind of has his own merch, but like really now he's mostly New Balance, so that doesn't really count. Yep. His logo, by the way, is fire. The Kawhi? The, the hand? Do you know? I, I had to point this out to somebody the other what? day. Do you, have you, like, you know what the hand is written in the hand. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It says KL, right? Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Which is crazy. Yes. And it's a hand, too. Yeah, like, you got to look. Yeah, if, great branding. Some people don't like get it at first. They just think it's a hand. But if you like, zoom in, you realize mm. it is a K and an L, which is pretty. That's pretty it's, good. It's a sick logo. Um, am, am I missing anyone else? Uh, I think that's pretty much. I think that's it. Hands down, my favorite is understand the grind. Yeah, I agree. Uh, only be. And. Part of the reason is because I was wearing some of Norm's gear walking down the street. I was in Yorkville okay. maybe like two weeks ago, and this college student walked up to me. Mm. She she says to me, "Can you stop right there? Can you take a picture?" And I'm thinking like, "Oh, you recognize me from the podcast? Like, oh, oh, wow, oh I'm, I'm semi famous. You recognize my voice? <laughs> yeah, right." <laughs> She's like, "No, I just like your shirt. I need that message as I go to the library." I was like, "Oh, okay." Wow. I was like, "Oh, damn, that's pretty cool." Wow. Saw her. I think two days later, walking down the same street, she's like, "I need to take a picture of this again. I'm going back to the library." Jeez. I told Norm this story, and he was like, "Encouraged." He was encouraged you by send her he, some merch. Yeah, I should send her some merch. I got. I don't know her name, <laughs> so yeah, well. I'll walk down that same street maybe tomorrow or something. <laughs> maybe mm, she'll yeah, find yeah. me again. Uh, but no, I think understand the grind. The message is, oh, and you forgot Phil Hanley. You got the. I got oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got right, the be right. your own goat uh, wristband on me right now. That's right. Yes, Phil I'll, Hanley on the Instagram comments. Yeah, <laughs> Talk, yo. 
everyone everyone needs a sh- everyone needs a shooter on the team. I mean, you don't usually expect the shooter to be an assistant coach, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's that famous story of Phil Handy like giving the 2016 Warriors a speech mm-hmm. of like, yo, just you know, you're better than this. You got to make a comeback and mm-hmm. like, oh, the Cavs, I think, yeah, yeah, the Cavs, yeah, 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 yeah. The Cavs. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love I love Phil. He's the homie. Yeah, he seems great. Yeah, Phil's the homie. But we were we talking about were we talking about Pascal. We talking yeah, about yeah. the brands. I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say personally, Pascal. I, I would like to see him workshop that yeah. uh, the logo a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I see what he's doing with the P and the S, yes. with the heart. But like, yes, it's it's just you know like I love you, Pascal. I, I do. I love you, man. But it's like, a heart, man. It's, I, it's, he could do. He could. He could. Re, he could rework that. Okay. He could rework that. Can we talk about this real quick? Yeah. yeah. I get. I really got annoyed. Because the NBA put out the candidates or nominees for mm-hmm. most improved player. Yeah. And it was D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Which I'm okay with, but yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. not fine with it because D'Angelo Russell was a former number two pick. Yeah. We yeah. expect. But, but okay. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I only thought it was okay because they also included De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox just got drafted last year. Seriously, <laughs> like, he just got drafted last year. He was a lottery pick. Was yeah. it the number? He was top five pick. Top five pick. Yeah, yeah. Five, I mean, come. Of course, the man improved, right? Yeah, of course. If, I, he, if he just got drafted this year, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> might might have won rookie of the yeah, year. To it, be honest, it's it's <clears> out <throat> of control. Like, I know there's no specific criteria for it, but mm-hmm. if a guy just got drafted last year and yeah. he made an improvement from, what did you expect him to do? I mean. I love De'Aaron Fox's game. He was actually yeah, one yeah. of our first guests on the podcast, so shout out to him. Oh, shit. I but, remember that. Okay. Yeah, right. I linked up with him in Houston. But nonetheless, being <laughs> drafted last year should yeah, yeah, not yeah. qualify you for the most improved player award. Now, granted, there's a lot of players who improved in different ways. Like Blake mm-hmm. Griffin got a lot better this year. Yeah, yeah, I like Blake. Brooke Lopez, I don't know if he necessarily improved, but he changed. Yeah, definitely changed. So, yeah, like, he changed positions, basically. Exactly. He's shooting right now. Exactly. So... All those type of things, there's no specific criteria, but mm-hmm. putting a guy who just got drafted last year in the lottery as a most improved nomination, that's a little it's, it's out of hand for me. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure people argue, like, oh, Pascal is only in his third year. Like, that, that's the same criteria. It's like, no, no. If you play an entirely different role from year <laughs> to year because you have changed so much in terms of your abilities, that's, that's improvement. Exactly. Like, like okay, so – D'Angelo Russell averaged more points this year. It's like, yeah, okay. Still the same game. He's the same game. Like, he's just – he made a couple more shots. And, like, I mean, Darren Fox, I mean, he's – I mean, he really did make a leap. Yeah. But, again, like, this is his second year, right? Like, so <laughs> It's it's out no, of control. I, like, Pascal's an Pascal's actual three – he's a he's a, somebody you can't leave open yeah. in, the, in the corner anymore. How, like, that's a significant improvement. <laughs> he's He's gotten so good, teams are putting Joel Embiid on him. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> – Last year he was just getting straight up ignored, and like he's coming off the bench and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think. Look, I, I honestly think Pascal is going to improve a lot more next year too, just because like, again, like this is all, this is all learning experience for him, and like you know he's got his whole career out of him and stuff. Like, if he's ever going to be not even number one option, because I think that's like a little bit high for him, but mm-hmm. even a number two option, which I think is within the realm of possibility for him, and he's occasionally he plays that in this team. Like, he's going to have to get better at these other areas of the game, and I think. Given his track record, he's going to improve these things. Yep. So I'm excited for that. Um, Raptors bench yes. throughout the playoffs. Not yes. the, not the strength of the team. <laughs> no. I wouldn't say the strength of the team. However, um, I do look at Serge and Norm as guys who can make a big impact positively in yep. this series. We saw Norm already. Game two, you know, had a pretty good game, 14 points. And then game three comes back even stronger, 19 points. Um, 
you know, you were asking me at halftime. You were like, yo, what is up with Norm? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, because yeah, we don't usually see this and stuff. And, like, I, I, all I told you was, like, this is this is what he does against the Bucks. But, like, you know, I, I think just Norm's activity and stuff and his scoring instinct off the bench. Um, I mean, he, he should play a bigger role in the series. Because, again, like, most of the matchups favor Norm. Like, he can defend most of the wings. Yep. Right. Like, aside from Giannis and, like, Brooke Lopez, like, Norm should be able to handle defensively against all those guys. And if he can hit a couple of shots and drive to the basket, which we know he can do, like, he should be a big impact player. And the same thing for Serge. Like, just, I think defensively, like, he is more suitable to play on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. But also, like, just his ability to actually, you know, Mark overthinks. He has the galaxy brain when, when it's like, oh, oh I'm on the perimeter. I should, I, I should swing to the corner. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. shoot that ball. Serge is 100% always shooting that yeah, ball, he's right? Ready to so, go. I mean, what what do you see from those guys, and c- can you count on them in this series? I think with Norm, I don't know if we can count on 19 points again. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I, the thing I do like about Norm is that if he is challenged on the three-point line, he could put the ball on the ground yep. and, and attack the basket. Now, will it turn out that he'll have a high success rate at doing it? Maybe no, not. Nope. <laughs> but the but the sheer ability for him to do it does mm-hmm. open up other things for the Raptors in general. Yep. So I'm excited for him in that sense. And let's face it, he should have some fresh legs because he oh, did yeah, not yeah. play in that Sixers series for whatever reasons. That was strange, too. Like, mm-hmm. why didn't he play in the Sixers series? Because the same matchup kind of issue presented itself then, too. I, I don't – I don't – I wish I had that answer. Yeah. Uh, I guess, obviously, things were tight. And, and I think, obviously, Nick Nurse was just worried about getting bullied because the offensive rebounding despair yeah. – the offensive rebounds that the Sixers were getting were getting out of hand. They, they weren't even lo- – some of those games the Raptors were losing wasn't even they were getting outskilled. They were just getting outmanned, yep. um, outbodied. And Norm is you're right. He's, these guys on the Bucks they're a little bit more of his height, so mm-hmm. you don't think he's going to get bodied and manhandled um, like maybe the coaching staff might have thought in that 76ers series. And then with Serge, uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully him getting more opportunities offensively and not just from the three point line. I he's pretty darn efficient in the paint. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like they just never get him the ball. They just never get him the ball there. I I would love to see more duck ins. I would love Mm -hmm. to see like more opportunities for him. Just instead instead of trying to trail for the three point in transition, run straight to the basket and see what happens. Um, He's pretty. I mean, there were times in that 76ers series I felt like he got the ball in the paint and he would Mm -hmm. score pretty efficiently. He just doesn't get enough touches there. Yeah, and like look, Serge is not a difficult guy to like set up, right? Like, um, you know, in the Sixers series, like they had a, a lot of success with those two big lineups where Serge would come across. A little down screen on the baseline, away from the ball, post up, seal whoever it was usually Tobias Harris and um, Gasol feed him high low, and he could just turn around and do that. And I, I don't see a reason why that couldn't be the same case here against the Bucks. I don't think ultimately you want to play big in the same way against mm-hmm. the Bucks as you do against the Sixers because there's a lot more shooting on the floor. But again, like it's not hard to set up surge. Like and, and with surge, there's so much is confidence, right? Yep. Like you don't even got to get him that many good shots. You just got to get him one or two very easy, very makeable shots early in the game. And if he hits those shots, he's probably engaged the rest of the game. He's probably going to play well. He's getting and blocks. He, he's getting rebounds. Yeah. He's making hustle plays. Yeah, and that's then surge. It, and then if he and if he misses those shots, then chances are Kendrick Perkins is on Twitter talking about <laughs> like what's going on with you, surge? Like, can you wake up, please? Yo, Kendrick Perkins, uh, as we speak about the bench, Kendrick Perkins is not a big fan of Fred Van Fleet. Mm. He is not. He's he's calling in for Lynn. Okay. All right. Have you been watching Kendrick Perkins' uh, tweets? I, I'm, no, but I imitated some <laughs> of his tweets the other day. I had too much fun doing it. Like the way he tweets, like you could hear him saying it. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. That's how all Twitter should be. That should that I think that's all Twitter used to be, and then people got uh, a little worried about. 
yeah. yeah about being canceled and stuff but no perk is perfect man he's he's, he's great and i like uh, people who speak their mind too so that's exactly what you want we got to bring perk back up if the raptors somehow make it to the finals yeah. we got to bring perk back up here so he can meet drake again oh man oh man <laughs> I would love that. Conf- I would love that uh, confrontation. That Drake's gonna hide behind Baka again. <laughs> but uh, he'll hide behind the Night King. Yeah, yeah. Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi's literally gotta do everything. He's gotta <laughs> yeah. be. He's gotta be Drake's bodyguard after this. Yeah. Oh um, goodness. No, but seriously, if they can get those guys to perform, the Serge and Norm, like that's it, right? Because like you look at the Bucks, like they can bring guys off the bench and perform every game. And it's just really up to the Raptors to see, like, can these guys, come, like, just even come close to matching what they're getting out of. Like, they got 44 points out of Hill and Brogdon, which is wild. Well, Brogdon's a starter, but yes, yeah, yeah, still. Yeah. Yes, but, but George you know Hill I mean? was like, doing his thing. But, I mean, he, at least right now he's coming off the bench in that Ginobili role, basically, because yep. for some reason they're starting Miritich. I think they should change that eventually. That is going to be the one wild card that Budenholzer yeah. can play at some point, and that will be a problem. It'll be a problem. It's just a different matchup. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, for now, like, I'm looking at Norm, I'm looking at Surge, and, like, those two guys have had success against the Bucks, especially Norm, but even Surge in that 2017 series, Surge was actually... I mean, I mean Surge was... I mean, his numbers during, against the Bucks this year were really good. Yeah. So... I just don't know why he's not stepping into those shots. I don't yeah. know. Every, everything with Surge this in the playoffs has been a little bit of, like, overthinking, and in the games he's played really well is, like, just, you know, being in the flow and just reacting and playing and competing instead of, like trying to measure his jump shot. Well, another factor with that, too, is that if you look at the regular season, if you look at how Serge performed his best, it was with Kyle Lowry setting him up. Because mm-hmm. we could both see that Kyle Lowry's a higher-level playmaker than Fred Van Fleet. And Fred and, Fred and multiple Serge... Multiple levels, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sir, Fred and Serge hasn't really worked too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one factor. And then another factor is, as well, as you can see in this series, Bledsoe at any moment in time will pick up Kyle Lowry full court or at least not yeah. necessarily pick him up like but he'll make it he'll make Kyle Lowry actually have to have measured dribbles to get it past half court just to mess up the Raptors offense yeah. and so and then Kyle obviously with the hand uh it, with the thumb injury I think it is mm-hmm. um it's, he's not necessarily all the way comfortable initiating the offense a lot of times right right so and Serge is a guy who needs to be set up he can't set yeah, up himself so uh that's probably a reason for it or at least plays a factor and i think the funny thing there is like you know you're, you're absolutely right like kyle and search like that's a proven formula there but i also feel like you know in terms of the other guy we're turning off the bench norm because we're, we're, like fred is fred is just what it is i'm just i'm hoping they can limit his minutes a little bit but it's clear that nurse really trusts him for all the little sc- scrappy hustle places you he's know, gotta he, get a blow every now and again yo, for kyle I mean, he, they do, but also at the same time, I'm just thinking, like, they're not getting that much, like, production out of the point guard anyway. Like, just why can't you have Norm bring the ball up and just, mm. like, run the offense through Mark or something? But, okay. I mean, like, Norm and Mark, at least the two of them, they've had chemistry. Like, game three, like, they mm-hmm. connected in a couple plays where it's just, like, Norm's in the corner, Mark, you know, up top, directing traffic, calls for a little, like, split screen, and then, like, throws a great bounce pass, Norm gets to the rim for a layup. Like, I don't see why that couldn't happen more often. You know what I mean? So, I think... And the the, e- the easy switch there is probably just take Mark out of the game a little bit earlier. Yep. Bring Surge in a little bit earlier, yep. and then you okay. can bring in Mark, you know, to end the first quarter a little bit as well. Because you don't you don't have to just go with like eight minutes of Mark and then eight minutes of Surge. Yep. And then eight minutes of Mark. Yep. And then you know what I mean? Like you could kind of split it up a little bit. Like those two guys are vets. Like they should be able to play, um, you know, w- without much of a runway. Yeah. So we, I mean, we we've watched the Raptors all year. We know the combinations of players that work so yeah. far, and so if that means you have to ch- alter the way you sub, mm. just that, but you got to have this team playing at a peak level. Yeah, and for sure. This is game four or whatever game is 
feels like a must win going forward. Every game's forward. a must win Every now. Every game's man. a must win now. So you're, you're three wins away from the finals. Exactly. Like, you gotta do what you can. You gotta play the team to their peak levels. All right. But dancing around this, I gotta ask you. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay, so first off, I have to stress that Raptors fans, we love Danny Green. Mm-hmm. He's had a great year. Kind of really a, a great bounce back year for him because yep. a couple of years in San Antonio was a little shaky. Um, one of the most steadiest Raptors. I remember having multiple conversations and with, with you know other writers and stuff. I'm just like, going to the playoffs, I, I trust that Kawhi's going to be there. I trust that Mark's going to be there. And I trust that Danny's going to be there. And the rest of them, I don't really know. And for Danny to... Um, take a step back in terms of his production has been kind of just jarring and unexpected. Mm-hmm. So can you explain what's going on with Danny? Uh, I'll try. I'll try my best. I think one of the things that we have to look at, and I've watched every Raptors game, been in the arena for a multitude of them. The substitution pattern, very different than what it was in the regular season. Okay. If you remember during the regular season, Danny would play to the six minute mark. Yep. He'd come out the game, yep. and you pretty much wouldn't see him until like maybe four minutes left in the second quarter for the most part. Mm-hmm. He'd have a long break. Yeah. And then oh, somewhat similar in, in the third in the third and fourth, but maybe more extended minutes. I remember I still remember there were some games he wouldn't come back to the three minute mark in the fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. Um obviously those minutes have widely expanded. Yep, now. For sure. And then if you look at the seventy sixers series, I mean, because the coaching staff wasn't rolling with Norm Danny's playing a lot more minutes than he did in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He's 31 years old now, so he's not too old. Um, but I imagine that has to – you can't ignore that fact, right? Yeah. And then you also have to look at the fact that um, – look over the course of the regular season, Pascal Siakam missed one game, right? Yeah. Danny missed two? Yeah, I mean, Danny was right there in terms of who actually played all the games. Like, in terms of all the guys that had load management, those are the two guys that did not have any. Yep. And so I think, and, and again, he's and he's not he, twenty five like Pascal. Is that and he's not twenty five like Pascal? And I'm not gonna <clears throat> not gonna use that as an excuse for him. But it's a, I mean, how could we how could we ignore it? Especially when you go through a series, as I mentioned, with the seventy sixers series, where the bench wasn't trusted. Um, if you look back at the Magic series, I think he played his defensive adjustment to play DJ Augustine more was. Right. Big difference in how the series went throughout after that. Huge. Huge yeah. difference. And then you look at the 76ers series. I think he did a pretty solid job guarding um, Tobias Harris throughout the majority yeah, of the yeah. series. He had Jimmy for a while, and that didn't wasn't his best effort. But for the most part, yeah. his IQ, defensive IQ is still there. Yeah, yeah. And I've always termed Danny's performances as if he plays good defense and he doesn't have any turnovers, mm-hmm. then he played a, he played a solid game. When he starts to hit threes, yeah. then he's having great then he's having a great game. Um the three-pointers have been the one thing that have not fallen down for him. Mm-hmm. Um and I think part of that is on him. He just has to he just has to hit them. I don't yeah, care how sure. many minutes he's played. It doesn't matter. You got to hit a professional those. shooter. You got you to come in the game anytime. You got to hit that shot. Exactly. But I also think it's imperative upon him and the coaching staff to put him in a position where he's not just standing in the corner and hitting yeah. threes. I think the one problem that we look, maybe people got too excited looking at regular season Danny Green. If you look at it, for the most part, where are most of his threes? In the corner, Corners, the ball was swinging, yeah. or it was the transition three on the wings. Exactly. A lot of that's going to get cut out now because it's playoff time. Yeah, if, yeah. if he's just going to stand in the corner, the scouting reporters don't leave him open in the corner. Yeah. His guy's just going to stay locked in. That's yeah. it. He's not, not going to get a shot off. He's not going to get that shot off. So yeah. I. I and Danny's never been the shot hunting type. No. His shots have always come out of ball movement. But I am looking forward to, as he continues to evolve his game into the next phase of his career, 
I am excited to see him with maybe more ball or shot hunting actions. Yeah. Because if you look at like somebody like J.J. Redick, the plays that they run for him to get his shots off I mean, dribble, oh, dribble like handoff, yeah. flare screens, he's getting a lot of attempts up, and they're working to get him a shot. And even if he doesn't end up shooting it, those actions that they run for J.J. Redick yeah. lead to so much other stuff for the Sixers. That's true. That's and true. I would love to see Danny get some of that. I mean, obviously, when he's with the Spurs, that hammer, that hammer play to get yeah. him in the corner was something that – he almost perfected while he was there. I I would like to see more of that being run for him. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's just going to be upon him to create his own opportunities, which is weird. Uh, but we saw in that double overtime, either double overtime or the second I think the, overtime. the first overtime. First overtime, yeah. The corner Nick, three, yeah. yeah. Nick Nurse specifically called that play for Danny to shoot the three. And yeah. he knocked it down. And obviously confidence is a big thing with any player. Coach called this number. He hit it. So hopefully Nick Nurse gets in the habit of calling more plays for Danny to get him in those attempts. So right. One, for confidence, and two, to actually get him a clean look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Because even if, obviously, some of his shots have been clean, but if you don't, if it just feels like this is my only clean look of the game, you know, it, I'd imagine it has to weigh on somebody if yeah, you're not sure. consistently getting good looks. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean, one for nine, I think, in game three, but let's face it, I think maybe three. Probably three of those were just end of the shot clock. Yeah, yeah. he had to put it Tough up. Somebody, somebody yeah, yeah. had to put it up. And I think you might have mentioned this in, in the pod you did after Game Three. Some of those possessions, you might just hope that the Raptors just don't shoot it. <laughs> Seriously, like, oh man, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, especially when Fred's running the offense a little bit because like it, it's just hard for Fred to get a where he wants to go, b any air room to like just shoot the ball, and like see like he's his he's so small almost like it, it looks like he can't even like just run the offense and make like a post entry pass mm-hmm. and so at that point you're just like this has been 20 seconds of the dribbling and then he gets for a high screen and he throws up a shot yep and then they miss and then they go the other way and i'm like i'd honestly just hold the ball for 24 seconds and just get the ball back on a dead mm-hmm. ball like just set your defense <laughs> exactly rather have the set defense yeah. than transition opportunity for the bucks i think you know the, the point you made about danny is true like you know like um in, in that play you're talking about in overtime like it's a it's a play where it's not difficult to set up but like danny's pretty much um in the paint, and then he comes around a screen by Mark. And Mark is a really good screener, probably the only really good screen on the Raptors, yep. right? Um, Surge, Big body. Surge does screen, but, like, there's always a risk of Surge moving. And then <laughs> there's always Surge, usually he's a scorer, so he wants to slip before anything else. So he's not getting a lot of contact, right? Mark actually says a great screen for Danny on the baseline, and it clips Brogdon to the point where – he can't actually fully contest, and Danny's completely confident he can get that shot off yep. without being blocked. So, I think that was like that's kind of the blueprint. Like you have to run a couple more actions just to establish Danny, you know, as as like a as a threat, as a threat. Because again, like it, it's tough. You can't just ask a guy to just only play defense, never run. You know, as as solid of a vet as as, as Danny is, like it, I'm sure you get the blood flowing. You gotta get the blood flowing exactly, and that's why he was like, "Yo, at least put me on blood source or something so I'm more involved." Because like for real, he was like kind of invisible, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, and he loves guarding point guards. I mean, if yeah. you look back, he loved guarding Chris Paul. Like that's yep. that's how him and Kawhi used to get down with the Spurs. He would guard the the the, the best ball handler, the guard, yep. the point guard, and Kawhi would guard the best wing. Yeah, that's how they like to do it. And you know, Danny Danny's best favorite player growing up is Gary Payton. Wow, um, which is ironically my favorite player growing up too. Okay, um, man likes he's, man he's likes on the West Coast. Too. Yeah, man likes to play defense. So yeah. get him involved in the game plan. And I, I tell you, like it reminded me. I, I grew up I, at certain points in my life. I've unfortunately been a Knicks fan. <laughs> oh man! And I remember when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I believe it was, and they played the Pacers, mm. and they put Roy Hibbert, I believe it was, on Amon Shumpert. 
because they just didn't or because they didn't believe Amon Shepard could shoot, or maybe it was Jason. I'm forgetting who it was. But they maybe are you it was Jason. About, Kidd. Oh, are you talking about the series where Melo got blocked by Roy Hibbert? Yes, that oh, yeah. series. That, that was series. the that was the start of Melo's watch. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> from that from that point onward, I like Melo a lot as a I guy. Like Melo but, a lot. It's unfortunate. But, um, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that just that was my only memory of that series yeah. was him getting blocked. Yep. Sorry, but keep you going. can't. But Danny's too good of a shooter to let the Bucks get away with uh-huh. Miritich on him. Yeah, and yeah. and he's but Miritich is tall. Yeah, and Miritich is not an idiot. If the scout report says don't leave Danny Green in the corner, then you just stay on Danny Green. It's imperative mm-hmm. upon Danny and imperative upon the coaching staff to put Danny in action so that Miritich yeah. can't keep up because he shouldn't be able to keep up. Yeah. Simple as that. And, and again, you don't have to do a lot of it. Like, I'm just talking about, like, five plays like that where Danny's coming off a screen. Like, as good as Miritich is, like, let's at least test their communication to see if they can call out the switch, if they can navigate the switch. Or at least test to see if Miritich can go around the screen. He's kind of big. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure he can go around the screen. You there know? you go. So, um, yeah, Danny Smith. And look, and overall, I think the bigger thing I want to talk about was just like, we've seen Nick Nurse in his first playoff run and stuff. Mm-hmm. What's your thought on Nick? Because I think the way he was billed was, um, so last year the Raptors went 59 games. They changed their offense. Mm-hmm. That was mostly Nick. Right? A lot of profiles were written even at the time. Like Dwayne Casey's the coach of the year, but Nick, Nick Nurse made the biggest change to get them to this point where they're number one seed. And I mean, whatever, they still lose to LeBron. But at the time, like 59 wins, conference, uh, you know, regular season title, like those were important you know, markers. And I think a lot of that was attributed to Nick sort of in- implementing this sort of more modern offense. And then the idea was sort of, you know, uh, you know, after Dwayne was fired and Nick got hired, it was like the impression was Nick was going to be this sort of like ideas guy. Mm-hmm. Right? He's not really going to be the guy that's going to be motivating the players too much. Like, I could easily see people tuning out Nick Nurse. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes in the press conference, I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, like, he would at least come in with these tremendous ideas. And I think that's always a dangerous spot because anytime you get a coach, it's like, it's not like this is the first time basketball is being played. You're not bringing too many new ideas to the game. For sure. But at least there's an idea that, like, okay, he's going to tinker throughout the regular season. He's going to experiment. And in playoffs, he's going to pull off you know, X, Y, and Z that he did in game 42 of the regular season, and he's going to surprise some team with it, like a zone Mm -hmm. defense or something. What's really surprised me with Nick is, like, how, like, much he sort of stuck to his guns of in terms of, like, these are my starters. I'm going to ride with these guys. I'm not even saying break up the starting lineups. I'm just saying, like, he sort of stuck with continuity in the playoffs more than I thought he would. And I think I'm just curious to see, like, where were you at with Nick, you know, what the job that he's done and sort of as a playoff coach uh, in terms of pulling out tricks out of the bag, like are you happy with the adjustments that he's making so far? I think um, it's, it's interesting because when you look at a head coach, there's a certain identifiable things that you could point out to, to that quote unquote signify a guy is a good coach or not. Remember mm-hmm. Brad Stevens was getting all this praise because oh, every yeah, yeah. time they ran a, every time they had a play coming out of a timeout, it, it coming out of a timeout, it turned into a bucket apparently. Yo, remember when there were uh, <laughs> I won't name the national writers, but national writers who earnestly put out a tweet with like a poll of like, would you rather have start a franchise with Brad Stevens or LeBron? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and it was not it was not a hundred. It was not a hundred to zero. Out of control. <laughs> out of control. I mean you got you had people saying, Is Brad Stevens better than Greg Popovich? I'm like, what? Is this madness? Yeah, it's it's hard to uh Yeah. It's hard for Nick Nurse because obviously the First of all, the, the out-of-timeout plays haven't been as successful. And for whatever reason, the Raptors have had a hard time inbounding the ball in certain possessions. Seriously. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Um, I do think he's put in between a hard spot because I feel like there is a lot of pressure 
to win this year. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure to have a good impression on Kawhi. Yep. And I think there's been times where Kawhi is so good that he's had to rely on him too much. And he's gone away from some of the things that made – at one point in the season – I, and I've, I think I've said this before. They looked like the Spurs with the ball movement. Oh yeah, and yeah. It, and it got cut off for whatever reason throughout these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see some more. As we've mentioned this before, there's certain things that we know where Kyle and Serge in yep. the pick and roll is something that should be happening a lot more. Like the the, the Fred mm-hmm. and Serge lineup. This isn't as oh, good man. as Kyle and Serge. Yeah. Uh, Kyle and Serge. So why don't you put Fred more with Mark? Yeah. I don't. I, I can't call it. I, again, he's in a tough spot. First year head coach with a premier player who's also a free agent. Yep. Not <laughs> so easy. It's, he's in a hard spot. Um, but again, I do think we do have to credit him for certain changes, uh, for certain lineups. Like his insistence on going big um, in that Sixers series. Yeah, that was, was smart. Smart thing. That was a smart move. And it's I'm, not the most easy thing to do. Nope. Because it's. I mean, who's playing Pascal at three and Kawhi at two in the modern NBA, you know? And, and we and I feel like there were some people who might have, like, had some negative comments towards him during the regular season when he tried that out. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I thought it looked like trash every time they did it. Exactly. Yeah. But it turned out to be fruitful in the end. That's true. Um, so you got to give him credit for that. And obviously this insistence now maybe on putting Pascal on a perimeter player instead of Giannis could end up being fruitful as well. Right. Um, but, again, I just think he's in a tough spot. First-year head coach, mm-hmm. franchise player, um, Come, becoming a free agent, a bunch of guys on the last entering, about to enter the last years of yep. the deal. Coaching Kyle Lowry, you know, and he's <laughs> coaching Kyle Lowry was a headache. I mean, he's, uh, he he's said, "Tell he's a headache." I'll he's a headache. The podcast, yeah, know. she's straight up. He's a headache, yeah. and he knows it. And then he's going against Mike Budenholzer, who had a number a number of experience coaching his team. Even Brett Brown, yeah. you know, even though somebody, even though it was reported that at one point he was going to get fired if they lost Game Seven, which is ridiculous, yeah. he still has experience with the team, mm-hmm. and this yeah. is a whole new team, and they yep. remixed it. And on top of that, OG is not here, and yeah. I think OG does prevent them from playing the way that they want to play a lot because he likes For to sure. go small. He's your he's OG's con- your backup four. He's your backup wing defender. He's a connector. You can play big. You can play small with OG. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think, and obviously, there's just guys who aren't playing well. But again, I think there's a lot of improvements he could make. I'm sure he would say that himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they go two two in the series against the Bucks, all is forgotten. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> for yeah. now. But yeah, there's definitely some things that we that we all think he could have done better. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I was just a little surprised he wasn't. I, I thought he'd be a little bit more flexible, like for him not to change the starting lineup against or um, change his rotation with the yep. Sixers series. Like it was clear, you need Mark on Embiid. What are you doing? Every and yeah, you know, man. you know how they sub Embiid is gonna be weird. So you got to be weird with your own lineups. And for him to like take until game three to do it, it was just like, it was just I don't know. Yeah, that was. You're, I mean, you're totally right. That was yeah. painful to watch. I totally. Yeah. I'm I'm so focused on the Bucks series I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah. was probably the one of the most frustrating things. That and Fred. I think Fred has sort of been like, look, I, I know like you're, you're not going to realistically play without a backup point guard. But at the same time, if Kyle's going to play 40 minutes, you just need to buy eight minutes. Yep. Kawhi can play some point guard. He's already basically playing point anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you got Mark, who's a good playmaking center, and you got Norm, who could just physically dribble a basketball. Like <laughs> yeah. you can get eight minutes out of there. Yeah. Or, at least you don't have to play Fred like. I mean, the, I, I feel so bad for Fred, but, like, there were games where you played 20 minutes and have 0.0 assists as a point guard. Like, that's – I don't even know how that's possible nowadays, yeah, it's, right? So It's madness. Um, it, yeah, he's, Nick Nurse is in a tough spot. And, you know, it, it's – and every it's elephant in the room, what would have happened uh, in terms of hiring a new head coach if they knew Kawhi was coming? Yo, because I was going to say, um, there was a report that came out, I think, two days ago 
which is this is old news, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone knew the Raptors wanted to hire, well, not wanted to hire outright. There's two kind of versions, but one version is the Raptors wanted to hire Bud, but decided to go to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And there's another version where the Raptors interviewed Bud and didn't really like him, and mm-hmm. then they let him walk. Mm-hmm. So um, that is an interesting thing. And as you mentioned, if you had Kawhi in the room on, on your roster at that point, Bud from San Antonio, who knows Kawhi so well. And Danny, he probably doesn't and turn Danny, it down. He's probably like, hmm, that's pretty good because all things being equal, I think the money was going to be the same, and the situation was just, you know, if the if the roster is the same talent wise, I'd probably rather stay in Toronto than Milwaukee. Yep. No offense, Milwaukee. I actually had a decent time in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think. I think Shout that- out to Vintage Bar. I had a great cash <laughs> program on on a, on a Thursday. Okay. Yeah, check, check out that. But um, Vice serve Storm, that area around the arena is pretty dope too. Yeah. Although the the weird thing is, so the old BMO Bradley Center, yeah, they demolished that thing. Yep. But it's not finished. Like the demolition, a little awkward. So, like, if you go there during the day, you're breathing in concrete <laughs> right by the arena, yeah. and I'm just thinking, like, you couldn't have done this earlier before the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're we're about to go to if the Bucks go to the NBA Finals. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good optics. They have like the crowd shots of like the city, you know, of the broadcast. <laughs> you're gonna have like straight up. It looks like a World War II scene yeah. in there, man. Yeah, because like, yo, it, like the, all they have left is like one of the corners of the arena mm-hmm. and like rubble everywhere else. It's crazy. It just it looks. Honestly, like children of men in there. Did you go up to the Sky Lounge, like where you could overlook the city in the arena? Yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. It is cool. It's a great arena. It's a great, and you know the the Bucks, they have heated seats. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yep, the home team gets heated seats. So like if wow. you next time you go, check out like they have like little things oh, under shit. the city. Yeah, wow. he, and the visiting team just gets regular normal seats like everybody else. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Kawhi will have that heated pad, yeah. <laughs> that, just, yeah. that, that yeah. huge foam thing that he's sitting on, but. Yeah. Uh, the throne, really. <laughs> um, let's do a quick look ahead to game four before we uh, come around and talk about inside the green room. Sure. Um, okay, so the Bucs are confident going into game four, right? And they should be. After losses this season, Milwaukee is like 22-1. and one. Pretty damn good. Yes. Chris Middleton even outright said there will be a, quote, guaranteed win tomorrow, which I thought was a slip of the tongue, really. I don't think he was, like, trying to do the, uh, the Morris brother kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so that's clearly in Middleton's mind. They're going to win the game. And Brogdon's saying things like, oh, Kawhi's going to wear down eventually. So where are you at with game four? Give me a prediction. I'm going to predict a game four win for the Raptors. Okay. Okay. Oh, good. And, I, good. and I, I, I'm going to say that because the Bucks role players played really well in game three. And it's specifically Brogdon. And George Hill, forty-four points. I don't know if they could. <laughs> I, I doubt they could replicate that, uh-huh. right? And even if Giannis plays better, which you have to assume he does, yeah, but more than twelve points. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I, I. I don't. Have we seen a really good Chris Middleton game yet in this series? Listen, Chris Middleton is. I, look, I saw Demar a lot. Yeah, and I don't want to be rude to Demar's <laughs> legacy. Yeah, but in this case, it's relevant. There are certain All Stars will put up All Star numbers in a certain system mm-hmm. that I look at it of. If you take away the easy ones in a playoff series and make them get tough buckets, I'm not sure guys like of that talent can get tough buckets. And Chris Middleton is one of those guys. There you go. I yeah. don't. I don't. I don't necessarily believe Chris Middleton is going to have is going to look like an all star in this series. Yeah, like think, maybe he gets free for a couple of shots, and you know he has thirty, and we look dumb. Yep. But like he's going to have a contested thirty points, and the Raptors kind of know how they want to play Chris. There you go. So yeah. I. And he's, so, all, he's got Danny on him. Danny's done a pretty good job. Low-key Danny's defense in game three I thought was pretty good. Yep. yep. Again, it's all about high – for the most part, we're dating now. It's high IQ big, and putting your arms up. Yeah. And if he hits contested shots, he hits contested shots. Yeah. Um, so I, I – and I would 
hope that this is a game where maybe Kawhi gets a little bit more efficient, mm. which is crazy to think that he could still be better. I mean, there's, he's, he can definitely be better. I don't. Obviously, Danny could shoot better. Yep. Fred can shoot better. So if I'm reducing the impact of the role players for the Bucks, I'm yeah. increasing the impact for the role players for the Raptors, mm-hmm. and I'm counting on Pascal to be better at the free throw line in, oh, in clutch moments. I would give the I would give the Raptors a win, and I think there was a nervous energy in Scotia Bank Arena. Oh, man. Game three, it was palpable. Like it was. I mean, it got to Pascal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think if they can get out to a good start tonight, that mm. crowd will flip, and yeah. I think the mindset of the fan base will flip as well, and I think that will have a positive impact on the team. Yeah. So again, and I'm also just a big fan of. Um, Speaking positivity into situations. Okay. And there I'm not necessarily a Raptors fan yet, but I am cheering nah, for don't the Raptors. Become one. Don't become one. You're already a Knicks fan. That's enough. <laughs> no, I no, I quit that. I quit that a while ago. Okay, good, good. The last straw was the Porzingis trade. I, I mean, <laughs> watching Knicks fans turn on Porzingis has been funny. Like when 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 Porzingis got a. Uh, Got snuffed out in uh in Latvia. In Latvia, yeah. By I mean, no one has the real story there yet because I don't think there are real reporters in Latvia anymore. Who was doing it? <laughs> but like the report of like, yo, there were some Russian Knicks fans that are upset with him. I'm like, this doesn't sound accurate <laughs> to me. Like, what are you talking about? But anyway, uh, um, it's been funny to watch Knicks fans flip on a flip on a guy. It's, it is it is real. Funny. Yeah, I never, and I never got my hopes up. I, once I tell you, once KP was done, I was it. That was it for me. Yeah. No longer, no longer. If, what if, it's sad though. So no longer so when they get when basketball. they get KD this summer, you're not, you're not, you're not back in. I, it's funny. I think I've gotten to the point now where I'm no longer a fan of a team. I'm a fan okay. of the sport now, officially. Okay. Wow. Because I wasn't even hurt when they didn't get Zion. When they get yeah, the number one, I was just like, that's oh, true. okay. I like how I like how people pin all their hopes and dreams on a 14 percent chance. <laughs> yeah, one right. in six, nutty. That's that's not good. <laughs> Those are not good chances. People are disappointed. Like, oh, I can't believe we didn't. It's like yo, it's one in six, nutty. Can I go on a little rant too, real quick? Yeah, go for, it, go for it. Go for it. There's no reason why the free agency shouldn't come before the draft. There's just certain. There's certain moves that teams would make if they knew they had certain players. In mm-hmm. particular, I thought about this in relation to the draft because if the Knicks, with the third pick, took R.J. Barrett, who everybody here knows very yeah. well, if they took R.J. Barrett, he doesn't seem like a great fit for, let's say, KD and Kyrie. I would yeah. think more of like a 3 and D type of guy as opposed to a guy who's going to try and score 20, 25. Yeah. But the way they have it set up now, you end up drafting a player who might not fit the team after you do free agency. So I'm not a fan. Yeah, that's yeah. all. That's my. I agree. Rant. I agree. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah, move that around. Plus, you'll see more trades and stuff at the at the draft. Because exactly. right now you're dra- you're trading, but you're, you're mostly the trades are for like open up cap room. Yeah, like, that's not exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm you, with you there. Yeah, if you knew who, what your what your roster was, and you draft differently. Yeah, simple as that. Um, my game for prediction is the Raptors win, but I think probably 95 percent of the time I predict Raptors win. I still got Bucks and Six in the series, which why, is unfortunate. Why are you, why are you doing that? Because I'm a Raptors fan, like I told you. All right, <laughs> o- only outsiders to the team can bring this kind of energy. Yeah. This is why. This is why the Raptors made these trades. All right, <laughs> you don't get a proud vet like Marcus or like Danny Green or Kawhi to necessarily change the the roster so much as you just want to change the mentality. Yo, I'm telling you again, this is not a Demar Slander podcast. Like last year in the playoffs in the podium, I forgot it was after the game or maybe like shoot around or some. You know, after practice, someone was asking them um, how to guard LeBron, which is oh. a tough question. And Demar said, "Yo, I'll give you any any of y'all in this room a hundred dollars if you can if you can give me the game plan to guard LeBron." Yeah, he's got, Why would you say that out loud? Yeah, that, Why would you say that out loud? That's, yeah, that's yeah. See, see, 
Yeah. That's uh, yeah, no. No, that's not good. <laughs> and DeMar is really good with the media. Like he's got great quotes. He's he's got great metaphors and stuff. But when he said, I'll give you guys a hundred dollars, first off, I need more than a hundred dollars. <laughs> first first off. <laughs> I, I, if you if I had the secret of guarding LeBron, I should be an NBA head coach yeah. and I should be making ten million it a year. Be, not uh, not a hundred hundred dollars. But regardless. Um that is yeah, he that, that quote always that. that that quote killed me. Yeah. That quote killed me. Um, Positivity, man, got to reign supreme. Optimism has to reign supreme, man. Yeah, you're right. Raps and six, raps <laughs> and six, guys. All right, raps, <laughs> raps are gonna win four in a row. It'll, it'll be the Bucks won't know what hit them. And I and I mean I've told this to every, like may, obviously the Bucks are their favorite, but yeah, I've yeah, said are. this to almost anybody who's who's talked to me about this series. The Raptors do have the capability mm-hmm. of playing the best defense in the in the league, yep. and they have. The best defensive starting five, which gives them a puncher's chance in any game, in yeah. any series, because they could lock down almost any team. And then they have Kawhi to finish it. Thank you. Yeah. That's, you have the solutions. You have the solutions. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and then lastly, I want to talk about inside the green room. First off, um, you have quite the history with Danny mm-hmm. going back to high school. Just go back through the history of um, your, your days in Long Island, I guess. Long Island, New yeah, York. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. indeed. So, yeah, Danny and I known each other through a mutual friend who transferred from his high school to mine. Uh, Danny's high school was one of the top high schools, not just in New York, but in the country. Uh, he transferred to mine, which is a good high school in New York, but mm-hmm. nowhere near good in terms of, like, in the country. Right, right. Um, so then because of, his, because of our mutual friend, we became friends. And because I started getting introduced to people like Danny and people that were on his team, I kind of realized that my basketball career was going to be short. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you played too. I played high school ball. What was your position? Point guard. Okay. Uh, went to the compare your game. Do do the NBA comp thing. Like a very uh poor shooting, no left hand, Gary Payton. All right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's a little hard to imagine. You gotta like. <laughs> like if, if Gary Payton only I had one, to, if only had one trash. leg, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I talked the trash on Gary Payton. That was for sure. My right. mom wasn't proud of me, but uh-huh. other than that, uh-huh. that's good. That's yeah. Good. Uh, I actually have actually have beef with uh, Leo Routens, by the way. Really? All yeah. right, air it up. What's what's the beef? So Leo Routens' son Andy, yeah, he beat me in my state championship appearance at wow. Jamesville DeWitt High School. Wow. This is the most obscure beef ever. No, I have beef with him for real, for real. And I committed, and it went, the game went to double overtime. Okay. I played with, I think, six of the guys on my team went to Division One basketball, to play Division One basketball. So we were pretty decent. Pretty good. Um, so I was, AKA, I was coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. You're Pat Beverly off the bench. There yeah. you go. It went to double overtime. I'll try yep. to make it sweet so I can get back to the podcast story. But no, I, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, went to double overtime. I got inserted into the game. Uh, our one one of our players who ended ended up going to Fairfield was supposed to come off a double screen and I was supposed to pass it to him. We were down by four with like eight seconds, ten seconds left. We had a chance, and what well, the guy who set the screen from ran down the court, mm. and the guy who was supposed to pass it to was double teamed. We had no timeouts left, so oh, all I could flash back to was Scottie Pippen throwing it off of somebody's back. The, oh, some man. blasted reason the guy who was face guarding the guy I'm supposed to throw it to. Had a clock in his head, uh-huh. and he magically turned around as I try to throw oh, it off his back. God. So if you go and look back oh, at the tape, no. it just looks no. like I do. It. It, just, <laughs> oh, no. it just looks like I threw it straight to this guy's chest to end oh, the game. Shit. It was horrific, <laughs> horrific. I didn't play the next year after that. Wow. 
That's tough. That's really tough. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, it's not all your fault. Like you mentioned, you had no options. But it, it's it, not like your number one option was, I'm going to throw it off this guy's back. <laughs> yeah, I went down all the oh, options, man. and that was the best one, and it turned out to be a horrible one at the same time. Well. Um, yes, but go right. on, go but it's on. it's on site with Andy Routens. Yes, yeah, on site. Yeah, yeah. yeah, luckily, I've only seen his pops. I ain't going to pull up on yeah. his pops like that. Oh, you know, Andy, Andy was on the Raptors' uh, uh, training camp roster. Like, he mm. was never going to make the team, but he was like a body there. Mm-hmm. So that was like two, three years ago, maybe now. And he wore 15, too. The number of players that have worn 15 in Toronto is disrespectful. Yeah, it should Listen, be retired. That number should be either retired or, like, at worst, you got to be Pascal Siakam to wear that. <laughs> at worst. Fair enough. And there have been a lot of players worse than Pascal Siakam wore 15. Yep. Understood. Um, yeah, but yeah so, back, to the, back to you and Danny. Yeah, back, yeah, back to the pod. So, um, recognize, so, again, me recognized I was going to be a basketball player. Mm-hmm. I had a couple opportunities in high school to – get better at this journalism thing your coach uh, came up to you and was like listen <laughs> this ain't it for you basketball is it for you but you gotta you gotta talk about it and write about it exactly and cover it <laughs> exactly i had an opportunity to cover the 2003 nba draft it was like my first nba okay. journalism experience so like the lebron wade draft that's pretty good draft and yeah it was credentials for that um and then after that i just pursued journalism ever since then had a couple jobs in the states mm-hmm. um houston georgia ohio where i covered a bunch of teams professional college and obviously Danny was doing this thing in the league um and then I had an opportunity most recently after this job in Ohio mm-hmm. because they wanted to go in a different direction in terms of like their news and sports coverage mm-hmm. uh I presented Danny with the podcast yep Danny said cool let's do it and ironically that was before he got traded to the Raptors it's like three days before we agreed to tape it it's great timing yeah and then we were going to tape a pilot just for us to get you know rhythm and next thing you know it actually turns into the real thing because he gets traded to the Raptors and Danny was all the way down for making it public and the rest is pretty much history. But uh, I've known, again, I've known Danny for like 15 years. He's followed my career. I followed his. So there is a natural chemistry that we have. Mm-hmm. We're able to make fun of each other without getting offended. And yeah. we're able to uh, have a good time for the most part. He's getting his reps in, yep. getting my reps in in a different realm than I have before. Mm-hmm. I actually did a podcast when I was in college too. So it was pretty crazy that I'm back doing it again. Um, but yeah, podcasting is an old game, but I feel like now, like, you know, this is like super insider podcast talk, but like you can like advertise it a lot better now. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden it's like, you know, viable yep. as like an actual thing you're doing for work. Yeah, I, I remember the first podcast. I actually helped sell it, too. It was pretty cool. I sold it to like a local T-shirt company in uh-huh. college. Okay. Yeah. Gary Bettman was on the show. Gary Bettman. Yeah. Wow. Cornell grad. Yeah. 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 yeah shout out, apparently. Yeah. 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 Gary Bettman and uh, I think that Alan Houston at one point too. It was pretty okay, cool. Okay. Good times. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of ironic that I'm kind of back here in this same realm. This is good. Over a decade later. No, that's funny. Life comes full circle. And I, I think, you know, like you and Danny, I, I think the best podcasts are the ones where, like, you know, like you guys have a rapport outside of the show and you guys can bring a history and sort of like the relationship there could be the construct of the show and the, of the conversation. It just, it's, it's easier mm-hmm. for that to be the case. So. Um, no, you guys have done a great job with it, and yeah. it's like, uh, you know, it's it's just for for Raptors fans again. It's just been great to get insight into the more personal side because, like, everyone knows it. Like, it's one thing where you're like in the locker room, and like, there's like 28 reporters there with their cameras, and mm-hmm. and then you're just like fresh off a shower, and you're like, uh, I'm gonna try to talk to you guys about the game. Like, no, mm-hmm. I, no one's gonna be personal in that situation. But like, when they come in, they sit down, like. Um, it's just a different mood. It's a different vibe. And I think we've gotten to see a different side of the Raptors. So 
you know, I appreciate that you guys are doing that right now. No, I, and I appreciate that, and I love the the support that we've been getting from Toronto and yeah. from Canada in general. It's been overwhelming, which is a very positive thing. The only thing... Well, how would you guys end up in Halifax? They invited us. Some people invited us. They're running, oh, yeah? title, they're running a, a pro-am this summer called Title League. Okay. Um, I think... Uh, What's homie's name that play? Dylan Brooks is going to be playing in it. Dylan I think Brooks, Ken Brooks, okay. is, Ken Birch is going to be playing in it. Okay, okay. They got a couple guys are going to play in it this summer, but they invited us out to kind of build some steam for their program. Uh, we did at the Canadian Museum of of Immigration, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. The only thing, though, my only uh, thing I hate about the podcast is that people have this, and I really have to learn how to tune out some trolls on the internet. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah, I got to talk to you it. about that. How to do better with this? Yeah, but so there, there's a block function on Twitter. <laughs> Real good. <laughs> or just, just mute. If you feel like you don't want to block someone outright, just mute them. You know what I mean? There's just some people who have this insistence that Danny's only focused on the podcast, and so that's why he's oh, not yeah. playing oh, okay. yeah, like, right. oh, my gosh. Yeah, Are you that. guys kidding me? The podcast takes, like, an hour. Yeah, an hour. <laughs> of, of hour of your day. And it's, like, they're... An hour max, like what? He's not going to spend that extra hour shooting. He's already putting in the work in the yeah, gym. Yeah. And Danny doesn't go out or drink or anything like that. Yeah, so yeah. he's putting himself in the best position. I mean, goddamn, CJ McCollum does his podcast weekly during the playoffs. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's, he still does that's it. That's wild. Yeah. But, Jeez. you know, yeah. So hopefully Danny hits a couple threes. We could shut people up. Seriously, it's, <laughs> it's really stupid. I think the same people are probably the ones listening to the podcast throughout the season being like, oh, this is great. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, it's it's not okay because you missed a couple of shots. It's like, come on, just be reasonable exactly. people. Let's be reasonable exactly. people. So. Again, I, I I try to say this to people: like, Danny has a bad game when he's not playing good defense and he has a lot of turnovers. That's a bad game. Yeah, yeah. like when he like, I thought game one he started dribbling the ball a little oh, bit, and he got hurt. he got tripped by Chris Middleton. He got tripped. He it should've... wasn't like he was trying to bust out. Some like crossover mm -hmm. and like you know he lost the ball. He got tripped. It wasn't called. It was a bad time in the game. He should have called timeout or Nick Nurse should have. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't he shouldn't have been dribbling in that situation yes. in the first place. Yeah. Somebody should have came and got the ball. But yeah, yeah, again, if he has, if he plays good defense and he mm -hmm. doesn't have any turnovers, that's a good solid game. Yeah, for sure. It's when he hits, when he hits more than like two or three threes, for for who he is, yeah. that's a really good game. He hasn't had any really good games. He's had uh, game five Philly. I thought he was good. Yes, that one game that was good. There that was go. great. For the most part, he's had solid games, but there's a belief that he's this ultimate like three point shooter, and he just yeah, unfortunately I, yeah. doesn't get a lot of attempts like you would want to in the playoffs versus the regular season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or the type of attempts. Also, that you would want. I I feel bad when I see Danny in like off days and stuff because he's literally like I'm not kidding like has like. Nine joints wrapped in ice. Mm -hmm. Like he looks like a mummy out there. Mm -hmm. Like he, yeah. he's walking around, and it's just like I, I just. You know, I, I hope physically he's he's gonna hold up. But like, I mean, look, this, the players are tough. The players are tough, and the and I think people are like overreacting stuff. It's like at the end of the day, like you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're playing the Bucks, who are like a legitimately great team. Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's only so many players that can perform in that situation, even when fully healthy. So exactly, you got you got to keep your perspective shout out to but big shout out to norm powell for taking up some of danny's minutes yeah Danny yeah, played for two sure. over played in that two overtime game and only played 30 minutes which is yeah and only after norm <sighs> fouled out and that was a bad call because brooke fully pushed norm yep anyway look we could talk all day but yeah, harrison for sure. thanks for coming on the podcast is all i mean you, you guys already know but listen to inside the green room follow me on instagram too shout out to instagram go for it it's uh at high def sanford h-i-d-e-f sanford no really, what can we expect from that i, I don't really, use i don't it, use instagram so I, I don't really know but what, what can we expect out of your ig game uh are we getting Serge Ibaka thirst traps or no no thirst traps maybe okay uh, 
<laughs> you know, my I, I like to show off the suit game, but yeah, yeah. there's some inspirational hip hop lyrics to start days okay. from time to time. Good, good. Sometimes I might be foolish enough and show what I'm doing when at in the nightlife of Toronto, showing people oh, yeah. around the city my experiences. Good man, you got to advertise the city. You know, I'm being myself as yeah. much as I can. There you go. Without getting fired. All right, so <laughs> follow him on Instagram. On Twitter, I think on Twitter it's just Harrison Sanford. Right? Yes, yeah, so see, I, I, on Twitter yeah. you're keeping it professional. Yeah, and, and, and Instagram, I feel like it's an AOL screen name. I got to do a little bit better. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> I wish you the best of luck. All right, uh, that, and that, that's it. That's, yeah, that's it for it. the Raptors over everything podcast. Uh, I'll be back after tonight's game to recap what is hopefully a win for the Raptors. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What will be a win for the Raptors, damn it, positive. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.